Welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. This is a podcast run by artists for artists where we talk about what it means to be one. I'm Tun Miai, the producer with our host, Dina Brodsky and Marshall Jones. This is being recorded between our many jobs and side hustles. We bring you in-depth investigations into the lives of artists we admire and the stories behind the creative journey. So stay on the grind while we fill your mind. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. Um, my name is Dina Brodsky, and I'm here with Marshall Jones and Hello. Katie Whipple, who is one of my favorite artists working today. Uh, Katie, oh, paint, Katie paints these gorgeous flowers that basically make me want to go do the exact same thing, except mine never turn out as good. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Dina. That's so sweet. And thank you for having me. This is so fun. I'm so happy to be here. So um, let's actually talk a little bit about how you became who you are. What got you started on painting? Um, well, this is um, this is kind of fun to talk about the beginning because I'm actually sitting in my parents' home, my childhood home in Avon, Indiana right now. So, um, so I have been... Um, I just was really interested in, in drawing and painting ever since I was a little kid, probably like all of us and everyone who listens to this podcast. Um, but my mother is a really incredible artist and painter, and I would paint with her when I was little and I just was really obsessed and she was involved with all these you know, local art groups and would take lessons. And then I would kind of beg her to tag along at a really young age. And then eventually she was like, okay, I guess she takes this really seriously. And I just, you know, kept taking lessons and then um, eventually ended up at Grand Central Atelier. And yeah, the rest, I guess, is just history. So what were, what were those early lessons like because i'm that my story's a little similar but i the more i think about it i appreciate and i think i learned more at those little weird studios mine were in atlanta yours was in indiana just like with old people who like to do art and you're the kid in the group just doing it and i feel like that's where i it, now, now, like teaching and stuff, I find that I go to that well for information more than others, you know. Totally. And I do think that it was really valuable to be in adult classes as a little kid, right? Because when I did eventually start taking like children's art classes after school and stuff once, maybe I was in middle school or so where that was more of an option. But before that, yeah, I would just go with my mom to like, adult painting classes and yeah, just learned like, you know, basic color theory. And, um, you know, I started oil painting. I think I started taking oil painting classes when I was 11 or 12. And we just used um, a super basic limited palette, which is white, yellow, blue, red. I don't think we used black even, but just like, just primary colors and and it wasn't formal color theory or anything but just you know having such a limited learning how to paint with a limited palette at a super young age 
yeah, you just learn, you learn so much about color mixing and all these things that I totally took for granted once I started painting at GCA and where I actually was learning color theory because I, I had just been mixing paint for so long, you know, with, with a very basic palette. And that was the only thing I knew. So I, I really feel like I had a very good foundation, even though it was informal and, and kind of, you know, professional artists were, were teaching and, and they were very good, but, you know, it was like um, weekend painter classes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, what's actually expected of adults that I think isn't really expected of kids that you might have benefited from is that art isn't, you know, it's the kind of fun you have while, while painting as an adult is kind of, it's not exactly type A fun. Like for kids, we try to make it type A fun. We try to give them projects that they can like, you know, finish and it looks good and maybe there's a lot of action involved. And the adult is adult painting classes. Like, I think you weren't actually expected to have fun or at least like that, that kind of fun. Uh, you were expected to concentrate and to, you know, like, like, like painting becomes this kind of meditative or hyper-focused thing. And so you might have actually learned that, which gave you an advantage over every other child. <laughs> you know, that's a really good observation and something I haven't thought about. But yeah, you don't expect young kids to be able to focus on painting a still life for, you know, a two or three hour class, right? Like that's the kids activities and things are like an hour tops usually. It doesn't mean that they can't though. Right. Absolutely. It means that we don't expect it of them as teachers. Uh, the, um, like, like we, we almost don't give them the credit for that kind of attention span. Uh, I think that's so true. And when I was teaching at GCA, I had the opportunity to teach um, some younger students. So I would teach some um, open portrait classes sometimes and every now and again, um, you know, like 11 or 12 year olds would come in and take the class. And not only were they able to sit and focus the whole time, they would listen better. They would take instruction so well. They would, the things they would do in that time was so incredible. Um, even though, you know, it was maybe their, it was usually their first life drawing class they would come to. And it was just amazing what they would do and their ability to, to not just, focus but take instruction and, and and I think that was similar for me because it's also when you're teaching an adult especially an older adult who's been out of school for a long time they're not used I mean even now for me when I take workshops now being out of practice of like the learning environment, it's so hard. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but it's like, oh my gosh, trying to do what um, other uh, artists are, you know, trying to use a different technique and like you have all these habits and all this stuff and not used to taking instruction. But when you're young, like you spend all day in school, like all you're doing is listening to other people and trying to do you know trying to learn and and practice and all these these different things and I think it's just more natural for kids to do that and it was I, I mean I just loved it it was always something that was so enjoyable for me but it's like it's for a certain personality type because I've thought about this a lot because those rooms 
you know, all across the country are the same. It's the same group of Mm -hmm. year olds. Classical music is on, which is weird for a kid, you know, and you're just like sitting with those aluminum easels that, you know, the wing nut in the back and you just kind of do it. The Terps open and it's like, why was I attracted (laughs) to that as a kid? Nothing about that's very kid-like, you know, it's very weird. (laughs) Yeah, I do think though, I mean, yes, I agree. I don't know. And, and when I was, you know, maybe, maybe like eight, I would, I started going to art, like local art meetings with my mom, like art club meetings where they would have painting demonstrations. And I was obsessed with them. And now like, I cannot sit. I mean, I can, but like often, like I'm not interested to sit through like a long demo of somebody, Uh especially if it's not, and this probably sounds terrible and I shouldn't be (laughs) admitting on a podcast, but it's hard to sit down and watch someone paint for an hour or more. Um, you know, for me now, anyway, that's, Oh man. Sorry, but it is. So bad. Like I remember, uh, there are some when I in, in New York where it was very serious and the lights would be dim and, uh, you know, Nelson Shanks would be painting and no one's talking. And it's just like, if you're not talking through these things, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every now and again, if I'm really interested in the person's technique, I can watch them and be riveted like I was when I was a kid. But for the most part, I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> this is really hard to sit through. So yeah, I feel, yeah. And again, that that's how I teach too. So I feel bad for everybody who takes my workshops. I'm like <laughs> sitting there like four hours into a demo where it's like, I have like one pedal painted. <laughs> so Katie, by the way, how did you wind up at GCA? So um, it's kind of a crazy story. Um, so I, I really, I just all, so my, you know, Marshall, you probably relate to this too. Like if you grow up in a place where, you know, you're taking art classes and, and it's not like New York city or something like you're just exposed to a more traditional methodology and, and representational, like that's the kind of, that's the thing that you, that is there. So I just always was interested in representational painting and um, I just really wanted to learn how to draw. Essentially, I was obsessed with drawing. And um, and I, when I was in high school, I looked into all these different art schools and was just really looking for a school that would teach me how to draw. And I, I was like going to portfolio days and looking at all these different universities. And, um, and I just felt like, well, none of these have what I'm looking for. And then it was really kind of weird when I was a freshman in high school, my mom and I were in New York city on vacation and we went to an art supply store because, you know, New York city has art supply stores that have things that they don't have at Marshall's in Indiana. (laughs) And I ran we ran into, I mean, we just, my mom is Midwestern. So she just talks to everyone. And, um, we started talking to this employee, this art supply store. And it was this 
guy named Brandon Beckstrom who was studying with Jacob Collins at the time. And so he, he, you know, my mom started talking to him and he was like, yeah, I studied with Jacob Collins. You should look him up and like, you should look up these people and get these books and just kind of started going on all this stuff. And I was 14 at the time. GCA didn't exist yet. This was in the Water Street days. And then when I was looking at colleges a few years later, my mom was like, hey, remember that guy we ran into at that, at that art store in New York? Like, let's look at those those people. And then we found, my mom found GCA and, um, and she was like, I think you should, we should go visit. We should go look at this because this seems like what, this seems like, you know, you'll actually learn something at this school in terms of technical skills. So, um, so yeah, we went to New York and I walked into the, uh, that was the 44th street location, um, in Manhattan at the time. And I was just like, when, when was this? Um, this would have been in 2008, the first time I visited. I so that's think. when Michael was still there? Grimaldi? Yeah. I, I don't I think it was right when the, they were like kind of ch- changing over. So I think that like Kate Lehman and Michael Grimaldi and Dan Thompson were just leaving. And then Jacob, yeah, I think that was the year that Jacob moved in his Water Street program. Did so, it just feel right away like you found your people? Yeah, it was so weird. I always say it was the the only time I've ever experienced love at first sight. Like I walked into the cast hall and I was like, this is it. And then I was on a campaign to like make, like I made my parents um, take me back to New York to take a workshop. Cause I was like, I have to do everything in my ability to get into this school because at that point, I don't think they had ever taken anyone right out of high school. And I wanted to like prove to them that I was serious. So I like went to back to a summer workshop and I was like, I had to, you know, kind of get my parents, my parents were fully supportive, but I, I didn't think I would get in. So I had a whole strategy to apply and then, (laughs) and then, um, yeah. So, you know, I actually remember, like, I had a very similar feel. So back when I went to the New York Academy of Art, I think it was very close to what GCA is right now. It was much more academic. And I actually had that cast hall and they they still do. It's just, you know, less academic. But um, I remember I, I heard that there was a portfolio review happening at Cooper Union. This was like pre-internet days. And it was December and I, I was at UMass Amherst. So I, I think I wanted to transfer. Like I wanted to transfer. I felt like the art department I was in wasn't teaching me anything. And so I hitchhiked to New York, uh, like like in the winter, you know, in like like really terrible weather, right? Was, you know, didn't have a place to sleep, didn't know anyone, went to this portfolio review. And usually you end up with like, you know, one person tells you why you should apply or encourages right. you or whatever it is. Apparently the stuff I was doing was so 
academic. Well, it was so not what Cooper Union was looking for at that moment. That right. I ended up with like five people clustered around me telling me how I shouldn't apply. But, yeah. So it's just being like, you know, this is really not the right place for you. But one of the, you know, like, like one of them um, said, um, she said, what well, maybe she should check out the New York Academy of Art. And all the rest of them were like, no, no, no. They just sit around. Don't send her there. They just sit around with their, you know, these tiny little brushes, you know, pretending they're in the 16th century. And I was like, wait, what? You're like, uh, that. yeah, that's what I want. And I yeah. my, my kind of place. What's the address? And someone gave me the address. And then I was just kind of on my own for, for the night in New York. And I ended up sleeping and I, I snuck into... There, there was 24-hour study lounges at NYU, and you could go in pre-September 11th. If you went in before 11 p.m., they didn't check ID, and uh, and once you were in there, they didn't kick you out. So I fell asleep on one of the couches, and I woke up in the morning, and because there's two policemen standing over me, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is just, you know, really embarrassing. And what they said is, you know, we were actually trying to place a bet on whether or not you were dead because they you know because the ways that you were sleeping the angle of your head we've only seen that on like you know homicide victims and they're like uh and then they were like do you want a cup of coffee and so they, they bought me breakfast and um so, um and i asked them for the address of the new york academy of art and you know like they basically they, they, they bought me breakfast gave me directions and i walked in there and it was like immediately like i was like this is my place. Like, this is the only place I want, I want to be. This is the only thing I want to do. And from there on in, like, like my, you know, sort of like all I wanted from undergraduate was basically to have the kind of portfolio, which would, you know, get me in there. Like, like I was completely in love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a totally, yeah, there's a, obviously a group of, of us, of these, these types of people where I was going into the other universities and I just felt like there was a lack of dedication from the students. Like I would go into the studios and people just be kind of like chatting and casual. And, and then I walked into GCA and like I walked in and no one even looked up from their easel. And I was like, yeah, this is what, this is where I want to be. Like with these people that are just obsessed. Um, yeah, I think you can almost like smell your own kind. Like, yeah, like, totally. So, so okay, so that's actually really cool. So you did that instead of college, which actually seems mm-hmm. like a fantastic idea because I feel like the play, you know, like like that's the time to get your chops. Like the um, yeah, and I was really, um, I you know, it's really funny. I was just listening to Colleen's interview that you guys did. Um, a few months ago, and because I was like, okay, I need to prepare. I need to like <laughs> listen to listen to more podcast interviews. Um, and and Colleen was ta- you and Colleen were talking about you know being kind of rebels and and stuff and and when you, when you were younger. And I was like laughing because I was like, oh man, I was so the opposite, which is really funny. Like I was a very um, academic kid. I really liked school. I studied really hard. Like I, I was just um, a very nerdy kind of person, still am. <laughs> and I, I really, it was a hard decision for me to not go to college because I wanted 
to, I, I was really interested in, in academic classes. And that was the, I, I wanted to be an artist first and foremost, but it was hard for me to give up this idea of like also being able to take college courses. Um, so I took as many AP classes in high school as I could. And then, um, and then I, but my, my, the reason why I didn't choose um, a university program, because I was also thinking of like, okay, I could either do this like intensive studio route, or I could do like an art history degree, and then um, an intensive studio route. But I thought, well, my parents are offering to pay for me to go live in New York City and go to this school. And if I go to college first, then they probably aren't going to offer the same thing again. So I better take this opportunity now because college can come later and I can probably put myself through that. <laughs> so that was my, my reasoning. But it's such a strange, I mean, time that, that, you know, you're a little younger, but that we all kind of came up in that was so heavy on college, 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 college. Mm -hmm. And then it really took someone sort of strange, you know, especially if you had any resources to not go. But mm -hmm. now it seems worthless. It's really a totally different no. economy that we've, we've sort of emerged into adulthood in, you know, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was, well, I mean, I had high, I had amazing high school teacher. I went to public school. I'm here in, in Avon, Indiana, and I had, it was a very good public school. I had amazing, very supportive teachers, but I also had a lot of teachers who were like, you're wasting your mind by not going to college. Like, what are you doing? This is so stupid. And I was like, I was like, well, you guys just don't know how, hard painting actually is like <laughs> i was like it's not a waste of your mind <laughs> so honestly so I, I went to college and then grad school and i actually wish i did what you did i would have um i wasn't a good college student like i was good at or you know i worked very hard in the classes that i wanted to take which were the painting classes mm -hmm. except that they weren't the kind of painting i wanted to learn because that kind of painting wasn't available there but i think like two to four years at an atelier uh would have actually like it would have given me exactly what i wanted um and then you're right college can come later and maybe i would have actually been more ready for college later instead of like like the kind of trouble that I ended up getting into I think part of it was like I didn't want to be doing the academics and I wasn't any good at it and so I kind of you know got into trouble or made trouble or you know whatever whatever it was and the second I ended up in a place where I could just work in a cast drawing all day long like all of that restlessness just disappeared I was like I, like I want this there was a yeah. there was someone who came to the league you know that network of schools like SUNY and CUNY and stuff like that? The yeah. SUNY schools, I guess it was Empire State, works with the league basically to give you a degree if you want one just for time spent like at the league. Oh, wow. And, and I was talking to the lady in charge of this program. I was like, that's so interesting. Like, you know, you could just get real world credit for these classes and what a great thing. And she was like, yeah, and what we found out is by the time everyone's 30. They all learn the same stuff from college anyway. It's like a 30-year-old who didn't go to college or did isn't behind on some knowledge you got. In right, yeah. And it's so true if you think about it, like you just sort of absorb it all anyway, you know? 
you sometimes absorb it all. Like, like, like the things that I'm really grateful to college for, um, but I think it would have been the same at an atelier, is like that the chance to be young around a bunch of other young people in a place where any mistakes you make don't actually matter that much. And I think like, you know, you know, it's almost like this little kind of like, like it provides a little bit of a cushion between being a child and the real just world. just being white. <laughs> that has nothing to do with college data. <laughs> I mean, possibly that too. The, um, but, but seriously though, like I feel like there's not that many play, like moments in life where you can just make mistakes and have them kind of, you know, just, just bounce off you. Just be um, like, you make a mistake, you lose your job. You make a mistake. I don't know. Maybe your marriage falls apart. Whatever. College, you make a mistake, and like ah, you kind of get like a B instead of an A for a class, <laughs> or maybe yeah. it's the worst case scenario. The uh, but you can make it up next, you know, semester. And that like that part, um, and the part of just everyone being young together. I feel like is what you really kind of you know like like I feel like that's the real gift. Yeah, I do feel like that social aspect of of college was something that I was sad that I didn't get because when I went to GCA and and essentially like all of my friends from home were all having a shared experience wherever they were, like, you know, at universities all over. And I was having a totally different experience that I didn't have anyone that I, I knew my age to share it with, except for there was um, two other students at GCA that had come out of high school, one um, in the class before me and then one in my class. But it was all just like, it was just very strange because I was with mostly um, students that were like five to 10 years older than me. And yeah, it was it was kind of a bizarre um yeah, it was like a little, a little bit of a bizarre experience. The first year was hard. I, I almost quit a lot of times. Um, but my, I mean, I would have quit, but my mom, <laughs> I mean, you know, thank God for, for moms. But my mom was like, no, you committed to one year. You have to fulfill your commitment. Um, and yeah, and luckily, yeah, I I, then I, you know, totally fell in love. But yeah, it was hard. It was a hard transition. Um, it felt really lonely a lot. I didn't know anyone in New York City. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. But luckily, I mean, and you know, Dina, like the the community at GCA is full of so many wonderful people that really took me in and um were just very supportive of me um almost in like in you know in like a family kind of way like Ted Minoff um you know kind of I don't know I feel like he's he's almost even though he's a friend and a teacher he's like also feels like an older brother in a way to me like he was just so kind and supportive for my I, I mean still is um poor guy. I call him all the time. Like, Ted, I need to talk to you about this. (laughs) But, um, yeah. And so, and Jacob and just, yeah, the whole community of, of people there were so good to me. And, um, 
You know, GC is actually it's like a very, very special place. And I feel like it almost attracts, like I, I just did a few days of the Hudson River Fellowship. It was, so was good. Oh, I'm so glad. I wanted to make it up there so badly and I just couldn't figure out how to get there. <laughs> so um, it's because you have a baby. It's just very yeah. hard to move around for like yeah. a year. And, and then they become easier to leave with other people. <laughs> but um, is that... That it, it was just, I mean, so it's very tightly knit, but I feel like it also attracts a certain kind of people. And those people both like, like they care about the right things. But like I was there and all, all, all they wanted to do was paint. And um, they actually don't seem to care that much about being successful. They don't care that much about like maneuvering the art world that um, they just wanted to, they would get up at like five in the morning for sunrise painting and then they'd stay up till the last possible, you know, like gray of light for sunset painting. And they were so deeply committed to that practice um, that it was kind of like, like it was actually kind of magical. I was like, um, because I, I think the rest of the, the times that I spent in New York, well, I spent trying to pitch a crazy idea to, I don't know, a bunch of very wealthy people. And, and it was just a very, very different kind of ride. And then, then those few days, I was like, right, this is what it feels like to only care about paintings. This is great. Uh, yeah, I know. It's so inspiring. I mean, it's continually a really inspiring community to be around. And even though, obviously, the students you know, change all the time, it still has this core um, yeah, set of values and, and as you're saying that dedication, it's so impressive. And yeah, I look back now and I'm just like, I don't even know how I did it. It's crazy. Like the, the number of hours you, we all just spent, but it is like this collective motivation and concentration. And when you have a group of people that you're going through it with, it becomes possible and it, it's so fun. It's so fun to be that dedicated to one. It's like a like a monastic practice, you know, like everyone is just so obsessed. And to your point of like, no one ever, you know, in my four years there where, and we would spend, you know, 13 hour days, we'd have core classes and the night classes and we were just there all the time. And the only thing anyone was ever talking about was just like, technically getting better and and then you know practicing and and anatomy studies and old master copies and just all these things and no one was like yeah so how are we going to sell these paintings <laughs> which then you like get out and you're like oh wait there's this whole other thing that we have not spent any energy thinking about but um but you do realize like to, to kind of go back to what you're saying, like you have these small moments of time in life where you can do that kind of thing and just devote yourself um, so much to like learning a skill and being part of this community and, and all this stuff where you don't hope, I mean, those of us that are lucky don't have to worry at that time about selling paintings or whatever, all the other stuff that comes later. And I think it's really good to not to have a time where you don't have to think about that stuff because it's it gets in the way. 
mean, you know, in, in retrospect, like I think of that time in my life where I, I could fully concentrate as it was such a privilege and, um, and, and, you know, and I would get very upset about, I don't know, a bad critique or, you know, something like that, like, <laughs> no, the end of the world. <laughs> uh, or yeah, but 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 yeah, looking looking back at it, and I actually, you know, I remember this huge argument I got into with a boyfriend I had, and you know, like like throughout throughout college and you know, grass, you know, and he was saying you have this period where you want to paint eighteen hours a day and get your. Ch-. He was a musician, and you know, you, like like it's a period of getting your chops and kind of putting in the hours, and then you'll stop because that's what you know, like you you'll have the chops, and then you'll be able to kind of you know paint five hours a day and maybe do something, you know, do something else with the rest of your life. And I remember getting so angry at him because I was a prat, by the way. That, uh, and um, I, I was so angry. I was like, no, like, I'm never going to stop. I'm never right. going to stop. This is all I want to do. And this is all I want to be. And right now, honestly, if I get a five hour painting day when, you know, the kids are at daycare, I'm just thrilled. Yeah. 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 But it is, you do realize like I, I agree a hundred percent. I never could have imagined that I would be able to get anything done if I didn't have like a 10 hour day and to dedicate. And now, yeah, you realize like, oh yeah, you can actually function with less time and do other things. Um, and I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of it too now, because you're always, you know, you can always work on the technical side of things, which is nice but you can also lose that too, which is scary. <laughs> and which I've realized like, oh, I think I got worse at painting. That's uh, that's okay. Well, we can, at least we know how to get better. Just <laughs> put in the time. Um, but it is, it's nice to be able to not be spending so much time like physically doing it because then you can think about, you know, the other side of it is like what it, you know, the, I don't know. I feel like now uh, the place where I am in my work is I, it takes, I feel like it takes an equal amount of time not painting on a piece as it does actually like the physically working on a piece, just in terms of design and concept. And not that my paintings are really highly conceptual, but um, they're not at all. They're just flowers, but, (laughs) but just in terms of, you know, design and, and composition and, and those kinds of things that I find really challenging. That how, how long does a painting take you? Oh man, I mean, my larger pieces take me a really long time. Um, I'm incredibly slow. I'm an incredibly slow painter. So when I'm doing a large piece, like a four foot by two foot painting, that would be big for me. Um, like a lot of those I'm doing a lot of studies for, and I'll do like studies from life. And then I'll compose the paintings based on the studies and, um, and I'll do lots of like thumbnails and color studies. So the preparation can take a few months and then it depends. Like sometimes if I'm working on, like I've been working on, um, studies for a Magnolia painting that I've been wanting to do for a while. And I've been working on the studies for the past three springs because magnolias have a short blooming season. So I have been compiling the studies and then I like work on the composition and then the next, you know, I'm like, okay, next year I need this, you know, 
flower shape, like this shape of flower would be good. And so, yeah, so can take me a while. Cause I, cause just the nature of my subjects, um, uh, limit me sometimes. Um, so, um, blooming yeah. seasons. so you have a six month old right now. Um, I do. Yes. <laughs> letting you paint at all. Uh, or so I'm, I've barely been painting. I actually, um, I have a few paintings in, um, a show at Sugarlift right now, um, which I know Dina is really involved with. Actually, I have you to thank for for working with Sugarlift at all. And just quick shout out to Sugarlift. They're just they're, the, they're best, the best people, the best people, the best gallery. Just couldn't say enough wonderful things about them. But um, yeah, so I just, I worked on a large piece for that. It was actually almost finished. And then, you know, as I was just saying with my, with my uh, seasonal paintings, it was on hold and, and then I decided to finish it for this show. So I was working from studies and then a little bit from imagination. Um, But yeah, so I was just, so that's the only thing I've done since um, my son Hewitt was born in January. Um, so that was mostly because my husband uh, took over childcare duties a lot. My husband, uh, Brendan Johnston, is an artist as well. So, which is really nice because we have both have flexible schedules, but we were kind of sharing days. So he would work in the mornings and then we would switch off at about like three o'clock in the afternoon and he would put Hewitt to bed and I would work after Hewitt went to sleep. So, um, so I was working a lot in preparation for that show, but I, since that show, I haven't painted again. So I'm still kind of trying to just figure out my, yeah, what, what the new normal is going to look like. Cause I'm also just really enjoying the time with, with my, with my little guy. So yeah. Um, I mean, so the new normal, like the new normal is not going to be as, you know, like basically at some point they do get a little older and then you can send them to daycare. Yes. Uh, yeah. That basically like gives you your life back. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so like my kids are the best things that ever happened to me, but like daycare might be the second best thing. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I, I think we're hoping to send him to, we are, we're really lucky. There's a, um, local, there's a Montessori school near us and they accept students, students at, um, 15 months. So I think we're going to send him to that next year, hopefully. And yeah, I don't know. We're still kind of, we're still figuring everything out, but yes, childcare is in the future and, Grandmas are amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and after that, like basically just as they get older and you can leave them for over a few hours, uh, your life kind of comes back to you. Not every part of your life. Like like I I feel like the like I feel like the part of me that used to be able to like have a party and stay up till three in the morning never oh. really came back. And the but no <laughs> that's that's not no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, like, 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 I feel like that part's gone, but you will get to like, like in a year, like something like going up 
for the Hudson River Fellowship for a few days, well, you know, the, it, right. it'll stop seeming like an insurmountable problem. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I really wanted to, and I was going to do it. And then the realization hit me of like, oh yeah, if we go, like that will be his first time in a new place. And then if I, and then that would be with a, like, if I had found childcare, it would be a person that he didn't know. And like all of that would be new. And I was like, well, that sounds like too many new things at once. That sounds like it's going to be torture. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it doesn't like basically the way it works is they just get old enough where you can give them to their grandparents for a few right. days. Yes. You, could, yes. you could just go. That's, that's a very different. Kind that's, of- that's what, that's what I am. Yes. That is, that's the future for sure. That's what we will do next year. Yeah. I really want to go. Um, so what, what is your life like right now? You, you have a, you've survived the first six months of a child, which is, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now I'm, I'm mostly just kind of doing the mom thing, which, you know, it's, it's funny because I feel like now at this point, everyone, you know, like galleries and friends and different, you know, just people in my life are like, okay, so, you know, when, when do you come back to work and what, you know, all these things. And, and at first I was feeling like with the sugar lift show, I was like, okay, now I have to keep this up. Like I'm, I'm back at work and I have to keep working. And, and then, um, and then I was actually talking to my therapist about it and she was like, well, you could do whatever you want. And I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) sometimes I forget that you can do whatever you want. So, um, so I just feel like right now I'm trying to give myself a lot of grace, which is like a new, a new thing for me. And just be, because I mean, you guys know how it is with trying to have a creative career. You just, it takes so much work and just like, you feel like you have to agree to every show because you're like, well, I'm not going to get these opportunities again. So I just have to say yes. And then, um, and then same with like teaching opportunities and everything just feels like, I don't, I don't know, at least for me, it felt like you just have to go, go, go as and work as hard as possible because it's such, it's such a hard career path to go down that it feels like if you don't just, hustle all the time and try to produce as much as possible that you're just not like galleries are not going to want to work with you or whatever. And it's a kind of gallery. So I kind of felt exactly the same way. And I actually, I had a studio visit, um, right. It was a gallery I liked right before getting pregnant with my first child. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think I didn't tell him I had the baby. I just, you know, agreed to a solo show and didn't, you know, like, or two, whatever it was. And basically the first I had, to, I had the show, you know, like it opened when my son was six months old and I worked the whole, like, six, you know, I basically worked nonstop and I thought that the guy would drop me if I told him I had a baby that, yeah. um, and, and I got the show done, but I also went completely insane, um, yeah. that, which maybe wasn't worth it. And also thinking about it, now, um, the, the kind of place that will drop you because you have a baby is not the kind of place that you want to work with. And all of, 
like I, I like like I guess like I used to feel like my art career was this urgent thing where like yeah. you know it has to happen right now right? yeah and right right like and now I've realized that it's you know I mean hopefully I'm not going to have like a crippling accident where I lose my eyesight or my hands but um this is what I will do for the rest of my life and it's okay to sometimes do it less like if you have a baby who wakes up all the time and requires a lot a lot of work <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I feel like even if I would have heard this conversation happening a few years ago, that would have been hard for me to understand, I think. Just being at that place in, you know, like, I, I feel like especially for, sorry if this is, I don't know, maybe this is like a unsolicited advice, but for for the listeners, but that period after you get out of school where you're just like there, I I don't know, for me, and it seems like this pattern, at least in our, the academic atelier world that I've been a part of, there seems like a pattern where, you know, you, you finish school and then you have a few years of like, kind of feeling like a little bit lost and you're like trying new things and then you like hit on something in that period and a gallery like notices and you're like okay this is the thing now I'm gonna do this thing and then you dive into it so intensely and you're producing and you're you're just constant deadlines all the time which I acknowledge that's a really lucky place to be in it's like you know having demand and having galleries that want your stuff and all that stuff is a really privileged position that not everybody gets to to experience but it's also really hard to navigate in terms of just yeah what what you're saying Dina like the work-life balance or just allowing yourself to take a break and you, you know I don't know it it does seem a little insane that like it took pregnancy for me to be like, oh, I should probably slow down a little bit. Like I'm not, I'm producing paintings that I'm not excited about because I'm just trying to meet deadlines and like hustle and try to fulfill gallery expectations, but I'm not painting for like I'm not necessarily even painting paintings I like or paintings that I want to paint. I'm just trying to like meet a market demand or a gallery expectation, or I like paint a painting and the gallery's like, oh no, I don't really like that. I want you to make works for this show that look more like this series of works. And it just, that gets really, I don't, I don't know. I just got totally burned out. And, um, and it's crazy that it took like having a baby to be like, oh, I was really burned out and needed a break. And now I'm feel like, okay, now I can like kind of slowly get back and look at my work and be like, what do I like? What was I trying to do with these pieces? And how do I move that forward in a way that's actually sustainable and not just like deadline, 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 production, like just finish the painting and not, you know, 
worry about whether or not it's actually something that I like or enjoy making or I think is any good. (laughs) Someone someone told me this thing recently. He said, um, when I was complaining about possibly me and Marshall have a theory, by the way, that work-life balance doesn't exist or that balance balance doesn't exist in general. Everyone who says they found balance, I'm I'm a little suspicious of, right? But but, um, uh, someone says that you, you can have it all just not at the same time. And, yeah. um, and, and I feel like that makes sense. Like you can, and I, I feel like a good deal of my friends in New York actually didn't have, well, they didn't have kids for various reasons. Marshall, maybe because um, he doesn't want uh, the same thing that happened to my life to happen to his. But, um, but, but I think some people actually didn't have kids, you know, because they felt like it would, you know, they couldn't have an art career and have kids. Um, and, and that's actually specifically something that a professor of mine told me in, in grad school. She said, uh, don't have kids. It'll ruin your career. I think I was told that for the first time when I was 13. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, How messed up is that, though? They don't tell that to male artists. That's because, that, well. I would hear that. I would hear that. Oh, you would? Okay. Well, that makes but me I think really it's. It's it's an ignorant comment because it's coming from someone who thinks that an art career is something you could get by talent or hard work or effort or that it's not just a, a bunch of factors all kind of spun together. Most, most of them just luck in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. If you take anyone at any gallery's walls and say... What are the what are the virtues that we sort of you know that we like hard work dedication um, thoughtfulness all these things and then the bad the 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 antithesis of that laziness uh, whatever you got you could spin those to, around and every artist has made it on any combination and every art and everyone uh, the same have failed with the same combination absolutely. <laughs> It's such a frustrating thing about choosing a creative career path is that hard work and dedication don't actually equal any kind of results. (laughs) Yeah, no more stuff in your studio. (laughs) I totally agree with you. Yeah, and 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 results for a painting itself. And results in the marketplace. It's just, you can't say what's going to work or not work. And then oftentimes the stuff that does work, there's something reduced about it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way boiled down and and the complications been stripped and the, until it's a little boring, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, kids aren't those, you know, those factors like the hard work or laziness or, you know, like dedication or madness. Um, kids don't even like don't even come into it. Like there's very successful artists with kids and there's very unsuccessful artists with kids and there's very unsuccessful artists with no kids, too. And I like like I, I feel like that one is. Uh, but you're right, Katie, male artists wouldn't get told that if they have kids. So, you know, they're not going to have a career because um, I, I like I think no matter how progressive our society is, um, it's, you know, um, like 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 a lot of men just keep. It sounds like your husband isn't isn't doing that, but a lot of men well, just keep. I disagree with that a little bit. 
theater because I didn't even hear kids. I heard, don't get a girlfriend to hold you back. <laughs> oh, don't even do that. Like you're, okay, you're well, that's different. <laughs> oh, kids go, it's hand in hand. It's just people will tell you if you're going to do something wild, a right. stable family is not a factor in okay. it. Okay, Marshall, uh, don't get a good, don't have kids, don't get a girlfriend. How about not forming any relationships with people? Because the second you become attached, it's going to hold you back. You know, you can't. <laughs> hey, do you remember that movie Heat? That old movie Heat? I, n- I never saw oh, it. Oh, it's a great movie, Michael Mann movie. And uh, the thing was that is never form, don't have anything in your life. They were like criminals, and they, they had to learn to leave things. And don't, don't have anything in your life that you won't walk away within 30 seconds. And I think that's what we tell artists a lot of times, you know? But, but also the, wor- but the worthwhile parts of life are all the things that we would be devastated by if, if they disappeared. That's right? exactly right. Like, yeah, so I, that's, where the, that's why balance is a total illusion. That's why it doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't exist. And I mean, I feel like with, when it, as you were both saying, when it comes to any human life at all, and, and that's what, you know, creativity, all art is just made from experiencing life as a human being on the planet, right? Like that's, that's, that's what is so unique about humans is that we make stuff. We, we make worthless things and consider them worthwhile and beautiful. And that's what I really love about the arts is that, you know, they're pretty much useless, but they're like, um, you know, the meaningful things in our life. They, they add a, a richness that makes things worthwhile. And, um, and there's just no, I don't, I just feel like all life experience is so, important to have to be expressed in the arts whether it's you know parenting or any other aspect of being um, a human being on this planet and I just I just really don't think that creativity would exist without human relationships Um, and it is really bizarre that, that we do get this advice from people. And it's so prevalent. I mean, all of us have been given it at young ages that it's like, don't, you know, don't do all of these things because there is this idea that artists need to be monks in, in some way. Like you have to give everything to your art. But if but if you don't have other things in your life, then what is your art consisting of? You know, I, I think it's, I think what you're saying is so true. And I think the people who are giving that advice, I actually see it coming from a good place because they have, it, it's saying that they didn't quite make what they wanted to. People want yeah. to express themselves. And they're, they're looking at their lives and being like, well, if I hadn't bought that car, I wouldn't have those payments. If I didn't have that wife or kid or this or that, mm-hmm. I would have been freer to just to, to do this all day. And they think that's what it takes to get somewhere. I mean, unfortunately, that's what my life is still all day, every day having to do this stuff. But it's not re- there's no guarantees in it one way or the other. But it, uh, I was reading this book um, 
You guys saw that movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So it, there, so you remember that little precocious uh, girl who was talking to Leonardo DiCaprio in those scenes? Uh-huh. She was so great. And so there, there's a book where, in the book, I was listening to it while I was painting, the audio book. And there's a lot of other scenes in the audio book that was just written. And she's telling the Leonardo DiCaprio character that she's like, oh, I never eat before a scene. And Leonardo DiCaprio's like, why don't you eat? Because he's like, you know, middle-aged, he's lost all interest in this. And she's like, because uh, art, the artist's job is to strive for 100% efficiency. And she said, you never gain it, but the beauty is all in the striving. And I'm like, that's a beautiful line. And yeah. it, but, it, but it is sort of, that's the story we tell ourselves. It takes 100% striving. Mm-hmm. And there is something beautiful to it, but it demands a lot, you know. Before we go, is there anything that you wish that you knew a few, a few years ago? And I think you kind of touched on this, that like if you could go back a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, what would the Katie now, like you're, you're still very, very young, right? Like I think of you as one of my favorite young artists uh, and you look like- No, you're I don't have very many more years of, of being considered a young artist, but yes, I am 30 now, so. You look like you're about 19. I know, I do, I do have at least cheeks. I have never aged out of them. They're still, my son has inherited them. Yeah, <laughs> baby face. <laughs> Is there anything that Katie at 30 would tell Katie at, at 20 or at 25? I I do feel like, I mean, this is, I got, I don't know. I don't know if this is annoying to, to be this person who's like my wisdom, but it is one of, I just feel like, I don't know. It bears repeating, I guess, for people that maybe it's the right time for them to hear. But I think the, I struggled with the gallery world, um, for basically, I guess the last, my I, I would say like ten years or so. Like once I graduated GCA and then started trying to be a professional artist, and it's very easy to get caught up in the demands of other things in the market, and not and then stop listening to your intuitions and your instincts um, as an artist. And I think that it's important to remember that those intuitions and that those inexplainable pieces of inspiration or creativity or whatever it is, is what it's, it's the thing about you as a unique artist and human being on this planet that makes your work interesting to other people. And if you, and if you start giving in to these ideas of like, oh, well, this sold, so I should do more paintings like this, or the gallery thinks I should, you know, go in this direction with my works and like this thing that I'm feeling drawn to is maybe like a little weird or whatever. I think that's a really dangerous path to go down. And then you can start getting, you know, kind of jaded by your own work or less excited or things just 
start feeling more like a job and less fun. And, and it's, it's very hard to navigate all of those emotions and all that stuff because there is a practical element to it. But my, I guess what I, I'm still trying to tell myself this, which is what I'm saying. I think this is Katie now needing to hear this from Katie now, but, um, but that those weird things, um, that you want to make or, or like unexplainable things that maybe a gallery will say, no, we don't want that painting is too weird. Another gallery will probably want it. And another, you know, there, there will be other things, other good things that come of it. And it doesn't always just have to be about um, trying to fulfill a, a marketplace demand or, whatever it is like you can paint for yourself and it can still go well (laughs) and there will be people that will will support that but it does but you do have to seek them out and um and I don't know if any of that made sense but I guess that's still what I'm I'm kind of struggling with especially now that I have limited time you know and I can't just fulfill these big show demands or deadlines or whatever I have to really pick and choose and now I'm I'm, it has taken me several years to kind of find the people that I feel like will be supportive of that um you know in true like the integrity behind my work so Katie one one more thing is there because podcasts are a little bit like a time capsule of like this is your life right now Mm -hmm. Um, so provided this podcast even exists in 10 years you know most things most things burn out way way before then but but do you want a little time capsule message for for your son in case in 10 years he's wildly interested in art wants to hear what his mom was like if he ever would want to listen to an hour of his mom talking which is probably uh oh gosh I don't know what to even say Um, You know, uh, a message from the mother of six months, you know, your six month old son to, you know, the 13, the grumpy teenagers you'll be at 13. Oh my gosh. Well, I just, I, um, this is all probably, I'm such like a a sappy, cheesy mom, but, um, I just, the thing I, I, I tell him every night when I'm putting him to bed and the way I, I just hope I will continue um, to, to parent him and to show up for him as I just, I always want him to be exactly who he is. And I want him to know that I will always love him for exactly who he is and every aspect of, of his identity as a, as a human. And, um, and I just, yeah, right now he's just this chubby little, six month old who's super sweet and smiley and and very calm and just kind of sits and plays with his toys. And he's not really interested in like learning how to crawl or roll over or anything that's super active. He's very content little guy. He's not a, he's not a risk taker. Like he doesn't bounce in his bouncers. He's very like movements are not his thing. So I'm sure in, in a few months when he's like, running all over the place. Um, Yeah, I just hope that he always, 
um, continues to be content just as he is in the moment, in the time of life that he's in, whether he's in a rebellious stage or whatever it is. But um, I just enjoy watching him be himself so much. Thank you so much, Katie. Like, thank you for being here. And that was really beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening and coming along with us on this long journey. I hope you got some good takeaways from this interview. I want to let you know that we have an official Art Grind podcast hotline now. So call us and let us know what sort of creative projects you have going on during these crazy times. Let us know what's on your mind and we'll play it on our next episode. The number is 929-267-4830. Again, it's 929-267-4830 at artgrindpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram. And if you feel like supporting us financially, you can easily hit that donate button on our website. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on iTunes that will really help us. We love all the support we get from our listeners and hope to do our best to bring you more great interviews for you. So be safe out there and stay on the grind.